Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 281. It should come as no surprise when you talk to another Royal Caribbean fan who starts listing policies, offers, or changes that they would love to see Royal Caribbean have. After all, we are cruise fans who tend to cruise a lot, and over the years, we pick up on areas of improvement. Sometimes these improvements are sweeping and grand changes, and other times, it's just something we want to see change because, well, it irks us personally. This week, we're sharing some of our top wishes for realistic changes to occur in 2019 as it pertains to Royal Caribbean. Here we go. A somewhat annual tradition on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast is around the end of the year to reflect on our past year of cruising and look to the coming year and share some wishes we have for what we hope to see change, appear, or otherwise improve on when the calendar flips over to start again. These are wishes we make with the caveat that they must be somewhat realistic, so no wishing for free cruises or Royal Caribbean Institute a 90% discount fare allowed here. And to help think of our own brand of Royal Caribbean wishes is someone who's been known to stand on the edge of his toilet hanging a clock and regularly have a revelation, a vision of cruising knowledge. It's Billy from CruiseHabit.com. Welcome back, Billy. Thank you very much, and uh, I, I appreciate a Back to the Future reference every time. <laughs> I'm I think last this. year we opened with a Timekeeper reference. Yes, and you didn't get it, so I'm, I feel better that at least we're you're back on track. You're one we're for all, two. We're all feeling better. There you go. All right, Billy. So like I said, last year we did um, – we had some wishes that we shared, three each, and actually – uh, we actually did some pre-production work and figured out what they were so we could talk about them briefly to see how smart or not so visionary we may have been. Um, I'll Let's uh, we'll share each other's. Uh, that way we can reflect on each other's. So, Billy, your three were featured more featured musical acts, expanded hours for the Windjamere, and more unique merchandise. So how how many of these wishes were granted for you in your opinion? I got to say, I'm feeling good about Royal Caribbean. I'm not feeling good about the, the way these three went. Last year, we did a pretty good job of um, uh, convincing ourselves of our successes from our 20, 2017 predictions. Yes. Um, I'm not sure we got any of these. Okay. Well, A for effort, buddy. I thought they were reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, I, the expanded hours of the Windjamere, I'm I'm totally behind that one. I think that they're the fact that it closes. I think at like depends on the ship, obviously. Somewhere in the ballpark of nine thirty is is a bit much. Like you've got to at least stay open past the if there's a production show that evening, like which usually there is, and usually it doesn't begin. And the second one may begin like at ten o'clock. Like they got to stay up until eleven. Like I mean, you know, if if, if like the local pizza place can stay at eleven, I think they they don't have to, like service every station. I just need you know couple sandwiches and some soups yep. and the Indian curry from this morning that's still probably out there. Keep it warm for me, baby. I'm coming for it. Like, you just need a little, a few things there. Uh, for And again, it doesn't need to go to 3 a.m. It's just midnight is a nice, wholesome hour to shut it down. And as you said, the stuff that can stay good, great. And anything else, and, and I, I want to make sure that the, because I'm sure everyone else has already just recently listened to last year's episode because they want to keep current. But for those who haven't, I want to point out that what we what we discussed and realized was room service is open. There are people in front of cooking things. I, I don't cook much. Grills, ovens, those things. And and food can happen. So all we're asking is that some of it happens in the wind chamber a little bit later than it does. That's all. Fair enough. 
Uh, you want to so, list the three that I had? Yes. Yes, I do. More overnight itineraries. More transparency about ship refurbishment work. And no more nursery hour restrictions. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, number three was a big one for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Billy, I'm sorry to say that did not change in 2018. It's still very much in place. Um, the overnight itineraries, eh, you can make an argument that it's that the needle has moved in the right direction, but not by much. I still think there's opportunity. I certainly would welcome it. I think it's an it's an obvious choice to otherwise to spruce up what is otherwise routine itineraries. Like, what do people always complain about? Like, oh, the ship's going to the Western Caribbean again. I've done that a thousand times, mm-hmm. right? So, and that's a I think it's a fairly common complaint I hear from a lot of cruisers about any given itinerary, whether we're talking about sailings out of Galveston, whether we're talking about Royal Caribbean's newest Oasis class ship, is that they just they're kind of like, oh, the you know, been there, done that. This will go on the ship because the ship ends up being the destination more so than the itinerary. But if you want to get people a little more interested, I still think overnight itineraries make more sense um, when it comes to some of these stops. So there's that. And the transparency about ship refurbishment work, there's Rogerman really does a great job of advertising work that gets like new additions, like that, that'll market well, like Mariner, Independence, and soon to be Navigator of the Seas. Great examples of that. But when it comes to under the hood work, uh, they don't usually mention a whole lot about that kind of stuff. You know, about uh, such and such ship is going in for just you know routine maintenance, essentially, where they don't get new features. It's just like you know replacing carpeting and uh, upholstery and other things like that. So um, no, I don't think I uh, any of my wishes were greatly granted. I feel like the overnight itineraries was the closest I got, and maybe that you can make that argument that they added a couple more of like you know overnights by. Empress in Cozumel or something like that, but yeah, they they added some where we expected them, and yeah. and, and that was about it. For, well, question for the for the nursery hour restrictions because you know how I keep my thumb on the pulse of this. Um, they did not uh, change that policy. Do you feel? Uh, have you heard that there's been any difference in how accessible the nursery's been in um, for the additional hours? Has that gotten any different, better, worse? No, it seems exactly the same. We were on the Royal Caribbean blog group cruise on Symphony of the Seas not too long ago. And when we were on there, uh, someone who was in the group, Jose Pena, has a very young daughter. And he was using the nursery extensively. And I was asking him those kind of questions. And his description of this policy was exactly as I recall it being, which is the first couple of days of the nursery. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We can only give, we can only grant you like 16 hours of time for the seven night cruise. And then maybe if there's availability after that, we'll let you some more, which is at first, if you're new to cruising, you're like, oh my God, like, what are we going to do? We don't have enough time necessarily. But the reality is everyone, it, it's like, a, I laugh at it. It's like, haha. Because of course, that's how I laugh, by the way. Because uh-huh. the, uh, <laughs> because in reality is it never gets busy enough for that to be the case. And by the time you get right. to day three or so, they're like, oh yeah, whatever you want, which is great. It's just, you know, if you're first timer, you must. I would imagine you'd have some sweating to do with that if you're relying on the nursery. But no, nothing's really changed. It's it still seems to be the status quo. Which again, if 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 you know the truth, that's fine because you can go into it knowing the truth. And certainly, it didn't bother me. I just figured since that is the reality, they should just ditch the system. But you know, they'll ditch the system, and then of course there'll be that one sailing where they don't have enough, and that becomes a problem. So sure, yeah, it's an know. under. I understand why they do it. Um, yeah. You know, there there are lines that don't do it, and they they enforce it in other ways. For example, Disney will, um, in some cases, when they see that there are a lot of really young children, mm-hmm. they'll just say, "Yep, yeah, just so you know, the sailing is closed to guests under a certain age." 
Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's it's you don't see it often, and you see they'll do it first for um, friends and family rates, things like that, special rates. That way, they're yeah. not upsetting others. So it, they control it on the front end. You know, uh, Royal Caribbean controls it kind of on the back end. Um, I will say, being as how they didn't change. Uh, it was like this when we talked about it last year. Jose Pena said it was the same this year. I think we can actually mark this a success for us because I believe in 2017 we had asked for more consistency. So consistency. There you go. I like it. All right. Let's kick off our 2019 wishes uh, with our uh, with your first wish, Billy. What would you like to start with? My first, uh, so last year, I'm actually going to compare this. I wanted featured musical acts, as we've mentioned. This year, my number one is going to be rotation of stage shows because I didn't get my featured musical acts. And I've come to realize, you know what? Maybe that's just not what Royal Caribbean is um, looking to do. Um, that's, you know, based on their, their target demo and stuff. Okay, I get that. And they have some great stage shows. I would like to see them more frequently rotated, even if they didn't. Uh, even if that doesn't mean a higher number of production shows, but rotating through the fleet. Here's what I mean. For some people, this is a non-issue because, you know, Matt, you and I uh, are, are kind of the exception here. There are some, some of our fortunate listeners as well. We get to cruise a lot. For a lot of people, they're not going to likely see the same shows because that would require cruising a whole lot. However... For for people that do cruise, maybe a couple times a year, it may be they're, that they're cruising on the same ships because they're out of the port that is most accessible to them, or it sails the itineraries that they like the most. So I thought, you know, it'd be neat if they started rotating shows that they'd already rehearsed, that they were familiar with, uh, more frequently through different ships in the fleet, so that whether it's you or I, or somebody who frequently sails on Anthem, out of uh, out of Bayonne, um, or whatever you know, somebody in Galveston, that they can still stick to the ship that's most ship or ships that are most convenient for them. But if you know, if they put six months between it, they get to see a whole new show. I think it's a great idea because it's an easy one. I mean, not necessarily you know the Broadway shows, which have so much you know sets and whatever, but there are a number of shows that Royal Caribbean offers, and I would think it would make sense. I mean, you could probably just. It wouldn't be very difficult logistically because so many of these ships tend to be in the same port um, on any mm-hmm. you know given week or whatever. So you know when it's time for Liberty to transfer one of its shows over to you know Brilliance, they're going to be in Co- they're like in Cozumel a number of times at the same day. There is going to be some opportunity, and it doesn't have to go crazy. But I do I think that's a great idea because that kind of gets around at least part of the problem. I mean. I, I, I'm the first person to always – when this question comes up, I'm always like – I'm the first person to mention like, look, let's be honest. The majority of people who right. – or the people who have seen the shows to the time to the point where you're like, I really want to see a different show are probably in a much smaller percentage than people who are seeing it for the first time. But I don't know a downside to it. It's not like the people that are seeing it for the first time are like, oh, I was planning on seeing you know whatever. When we're not talking about the Broadway shows, when we're talking right. about these other shows, I do agree with you that – um, that makes sense. And we kind of see this already with comedians, right? Like they'll go from ship to ship to ship. Absolutely. That's a great example. I mean, geez, comedians. And I realize that comedians are different than stage shows in this way. Um, right. Comedians even hop between celebrity and Royal Caribbean, right? Oh, yeah. uh, so they clearly have no problem saying, oh, you want to either you want to do a contract on this other ship or sometimes 
just so you know, tomorrow you're getting off in <laughs> Grand Cayman and you're going to meet up with, you know, this other vessel and that's, that's your new home for a while. So, uh, yeah, it's a suggestion that I truly think costs nothing or nearly nothing for them. Doesn't require any significant resources. And I don't think there, as you mentioned, is a downside. So here's hoping. There you go. Here's hoping. What's your my number first, one? My first wish for 2019 is something that is coming, but I want it a little faster. I want it now. And that is the new chat feature will be here sooner than later. Mm. With Royal Caribbean's new app that they're developing, it's, it's, the pace of it is quickening quite a bit. Uh, at first, it was like it was very glacial. But now it has really – they've been adding ships regularly. There's at the time of this recording, I think, like about a dozen or so that have already gotten the app. And some now, granted, when you get the app, it doesn't mean you get the full feature set, but you get some subset of it. Anyway, the chat features currently, as of recording this podcast, being tested on Allure of the Seas. Now, I know by the end, if we, when we record this episode coming in 2020, we will know that it is on more ships. But my hope is that it will it will be deployed to ships sooner than later because I think this is the one feature of the app that everybody asks for, everybody wants. It's it's To me, there is no other feature that is more important or more commonly asked about than the chat feature. So my wish is that we get the chat feature on the new app ASAP. Uh, you know, It should be the standard issue thing. Like the standard issue feature you get with the app currently is like the cruise compass feature where you can look at the cruise planner and see everything that's in there and kind of track your progress. I think the chat feature is just such an easy win. Like it's just like it's the most visible feature. It's going to be the thing that everyone's going to use, and it has so much potential there to not to make everybody's cruise so much easier. So that's why I want the new chat feature to come out sooner than later. Yeah, I I'll tell you. I, so my it was my number three. I'll probably change it to my number two for the sake of continuity. We'll just cut this out because this all happens organically, listeners. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, is, is related to the app. The chat thing, I was surprised that it that it took so long. I thought, well, they're going to beta test it, test it on one or two ships, and then they'll roll it out, because maybe I'm just ignorant of this, but you, know, we, you and I both work in technology. I'm not really sure why they have to test it on every single ship individually. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a crowd pleaser, right? And clearly, they there was either enough... Uh, enough demand from guests or not enough re uh, revenue that they were getting from uh, charging for chat on the other app on Royal IQ that they said, okay, this is going to be a complimentary feature. Everyone's going to get access to this eventually. So the demand is there. The technology is there. They've already proved it out. Yeah, let's get it out there. And, and you know, then we can talk about additional features and how we'd like group, you know, setting up group chats and things like that to work. Cause you and I have had that conversation with, with some others on the symphony group cruise actually, but uh, yeah, let, let's get that out there. That'd be good to see. Absolutely. I mean, like, you know, there's so many really cool features that are developing with the app. Uh, and some, a lot of them I would definitely character categorize rather as nice to haves or really, you know, pluses your cruise experience. But the chat feature is just, it's, you know, it's such a, to me, in 2018, it is a major thing to be able to have and leverage that um, it just makes more sense to, to you know, prioritize that one. So, yeah, I mean, it fixes a pain point that uh, that some people will have, and that is everyone is used to keeping in touch these days, right? It, you know, every family, every group of friends, but not everyone's used to paying for Internet every day, even though Voom is reasonable, in my opinion, for what you get. Not everyone's down to pay that, especially big family. I get that. This solves it. Yeah, and 
if this if the chat feature gets rid of people of any people ever using a walkie-talkie on a cruise ship again, I am all for that feature. Uh I'm I'm just realizing I, I need to pack a whole set of uh of FRS radios of little walkie-talkies for the next group cruise. I'm not even going to use them. I'm just going to carry it around so that Mac can roll his <laughs> eyes whenever I walk by. Get the <laughs> brightest color I can, neon yellow. <laughs> all right, what's your number 2 wish? So, like I said, I moved this up from my number three, not that they were in a particular order anyway. Um, I want a couple features in the app now that – so back two years ago when we talked about the app, we talked about – I think one of our wishes two years ago was that we wanted um, – we talked about Project Excalibur at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Is that two years ago? I've lost all track. And, you know, it was going to introduce chat fe- – the, the new chat feature and it was going to introduce all these things, being able to easily see things, schedule things from your phone. Fantastic. I look forward to it. And now we're – now we've largely got that across the fleet. And, of course, when you give a mouse a cookie – they're going to want a glass of milk. So I want the next features. And some of these features uh, are already available on other Royal Caribbean Cruises Limited uh, ships. So I want charging, room control, and room access via the app. Um, I, you know, I, I get I'm not going to get those all at once. Some of those involve significant hardware changes to the ships. So that's going to be tricky. And some they have said are coming. And when I say that the, they're already available on some other ships, uh, Celebrity Edge, and I think one other celebrity ship, Celebrity is a sister line to Royal Caribbean, ha- has already given access through the app, which is, by the way, the exact same app uh, as the Royal Caribbean app, just different logo, for room access, which is cool. You can use your phone instead of your key, uh, your key card or, or CPAS, rather. And... Uh, and control, so your air conditioning, your lights, uh, even your television in your room, that's really handy. I like that. I would love that to see. I would love to see that come to other Royal Caribbean ships. And in fact, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, Royal Caribbean has said we are going to see those features come to other, uh, to come to Royal Caribbean ships. Is that correct? Yeah. The uh, Actually, the I, when I was on Symphony of the Seas during the media event, there was a session about the app, and I'm looking at a screenshot of it. It's on RoyalCreamBlog.com. I posted it um, last month about a roadmap of the app features. And uh, it says, coming 2019, I don't know when in 2019, so maybe your wish is going to be granted. They're going to uh, improve, as they call it, the hotel experience and have the ability to um, allow guests set preferences for their upcoming stay. And uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think some of those, if not all of those things that you mentioned, uh, maybe part of that, like being able to control certain devices. But at the very least, you'll be able to like request towels. You can do that via the app. You want to have extra, you know, your ice bucket filled every evening. You can do that. These are all things that are just going to make it easier. Not that you can't do this currently because it's just a, requires picking up a phone or, um, you know, whatever. But um, it, I think it, I think you have a pretty darn good chance if the timeline holds up. To have this ready in 2019. So I think for for the things that I mentioned the second half, I think I have a good chance, and I, and I hope so. There's so many cool things they could do with it, right? Uh, even changing room status. I noticed on Celebrity Edge, cutting cutting edge new ship, right? Still at a magnet for do not disturb or service my room. That was weird, right? So there's there's a lot they could expand on with these things. Though the one thing that I feel like would be easy that I only fleetingly mentioned in the beginning though is. Uh, Charging, being able to charge things via your phone. I don't mean uh, battery charge. I mean um, like uh, instead of a CPAS when you go to get a drink or buy something in the store. 
and and there's a reason, not because I find it burdensome to hand over my CPAS card or have my wow band scanned, but when you have access to your room from your phone, it seems kind of silly that then you have to still carry your card if you want to make a purchase. And when you check in on uh, on many, if not most of the newer ships at this point, you your CPAS is at your door, right? So when you first walk around your ship before your stateroom's ready, all you have is your um, not express pass, your uh, set sail pass. Um, so in theory, it can be done, right? Because you can use that to buy drinks and things like that when you first board. I tried that like a day or two into my last sailing. I just, I said, Hey, I don't have my room key with me. Can you use this? And I got a, eh, I don't know. We can look you up. And ultimately I got my drink. I don't know what they did, but I thought it would be as simple as just scanning the barcode on my app. If they can just make that happen, then we have that complete solution. No more need for a uh, CPAS except when disembarking. So that rounds out my whole wish. Yeah. I, that's it's a, it's a wide scale uh, wish there, but I like it. I, I, I'm all for those changes. I think the, I mean, that's really the promise of the app is that it's not just because the Royal Caribbean has the Royal RQ app. It's been had for a couple of years, but this has to be something that's more than just a better looking version of that. It's truly got to um, uh, build upon and expand upon what we've currently had and truly be a quote unquote upgrade. And I feel like by adding those kinds of features, Billy, that is really going to get us there because it's going to offer a lot of, um, Things that, like I said earlier about the um, changing, like you know, making another towel request is not. It's not a. It's not like you can't get them or you can't do them currently, but it's about making it easier to do all those things. And frankly, I think easier for both guests and crew, because if you're if you can queue up those needs, those guest needs automatically, you're not worrying about whether guest services or housekeeping or um, room service, whoever is answering the phone while they're trying to actually do the things that you're calling them about. So this is one of those everyone wins kind of situations. Absolutely. Uh, While staying on the technology front here, as all of our wishes tend to be about these, my number two is also about technology, and that is about more ships getting better performing Wi-Fi, a.k.a. Voom. Namely, I'm looking at you, Mariner of the Seas, and Navigator of the Seas, and basically just... Let's let's have more parity among the ship's internet. This has been since Royal mm-hmm. Caribbean introduced the idea of Voom. Um, at first, the Voom came to Oasis and Quantum class ships because it was the only ships that had it. Whereas else other fleet, other ships in the fleet, it was just you know Royal Caribbean internet. And then the marketing department got a hold of it and said, "Oh, let's call this. Oh, it's, it's all Voom. It's all the fastest internet at sea." But the reality is, while it is very fast and there is some good performance, not all ships are created equal. Some, to paraphrase. Um, Animal Farm, some ships are more equal than others when it comes to the internet. <laughs> and um, it's, I get it at first. Like, look, there's there's a budget, there's a cost, there's, um, you know, infrastructure. It's not, it's not the snap of the fingers that I think some people think deploying high-speed internet to a ship in the middle of the ocean is. And I certainly understand that certain places in the world are a little more difficult, especially if you're at a higher uh, or lower uh, latitude. But if you're in the Caribbean, let's just make this really simple. If you're in the Caribbean, there should be a far less uh, scale of of internet performance depending on which ship you're on. There are, and I don't need it all to be like Symphony of the Seas or or Anthem of the Seas, where it is truly 
very similar to what you experience on land. That's really nice to have. I'm just, there are some ships that just truly have nearly, I don't want to say unusable, but very slow, inconsistent connections. And so my wish is for that to stop being the case and no longer for people to worry about, especially for North American cruises, to say, oh, uh, is this internet going to, you know, is this the good internet or the bad internet? Does this ship have the good internet? You know what I mean? Those kind of conversations really, I feel like 2019 is the year for it to come to an end, especially with this app coming online for so many of the ships in the fleet. It, it just has to be the case that we, um, Royal Caribbean just gets it all, at least to uh, sets a, a higher baseline for performance of, of its Zoom. Yeah, uh, I have I have personal and business reasons for wanting this. I don't even mean businesses and what I do for a living. I mean, for Royal Caribbean, I think this makes sense. Because while I understand the challenge that they had before around branding, that they didn't want it to be confusing to have two layers of internet, if you will, um, when when they first brought Voom online. And as you said, the marketing people got a hold of that and said, yes, it's all Voom. It's, it's wonderful. It's the fastest internet at sea. I, I understand why they did it. I do. Um, and they, I'm sure, knew that the downside would be that some people would notice and not love that inconsistent uh, experience and the inconsistent behavior. Now I think that inconsistency is more costly to them in terms of reputation and in terms of business. Um, I, I recognize that I'm in the, um, more personally, I'm in the minority uh, in this way, but we were talking about the upcoming uh, Mariner Group Cruise. And I said, you know, if Mariner Voom was better, I'd book the whole thing. I'd book three segments of a Mariner cruise because I knew I could get some work done. Knowing I can't get work done, though, that changes things. That's less money that I put in Royal, Royal Caribbean's uh, pocket. So the other, the other thing they're going to have to face is that with the app uh, doing more and being more useful on more ships, more people will have their phones in their hands, and those people that may not be Luddites, they might be, you know, very... Uh, people that are very into technology, but previously who said, I don't want to worry about my phone when I'm on a cruise. They're more likely to have their phone now and they're, they're more likely to purchase Voom now. So they're going to have more customers wanting this, what is currently an inconsistent product. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's, it's, it's your point earlier about the fact that it's, it costs them more money. I, I mean, if you've been on one of these ships that has the not as well performing internet, you see the line all the time. There's a, usually like a mm-hmm. desk set up near guest relations. And I, I mean, I just – look, I get the marketing thing. But at the same time, it's hard to say – if you've been on Oasis and then you go on Mariner and you're like, oh, boom, yeah, no, we should all get it because it was really awesome on our last cruise. I mean, it just sets up poor expectations. I've always said, you know, if you're going to have it, call it something else. That's fine. But look, if they want to make it standardized, that's fine. But you need to – Again, it's not like this isn't like the first year of Voom. This isn't the first year of O3B and this ability to get it. Let's now bring parity to the to the experience. Again, it's one thing if you want to talk about Australia and the South Pacific and or you know middle of nowhere Alaska. I get that. That's a different story. That is more there. There is a physical issue there more so than a technological or, in my opinion, probably a budgetary issue there. Let's make it happen. Uh, if they if it perform the better it performs the better it's going to sell we already see that with the fact of of, of what we see on some of the ships let's you know I, I feel like it's in Royal Caribbean's best interest like you said Billy to have this be a better performing product especially on its North American products in the Caribbean it is from a competitive standpoint as well because several years ago they could say we have the fastest internet at sea 
Nobody else comes close. Everyone else is slower, and it's more expensive. It's less reliable. And they were right. It's not the case anymore. Um, there are other ships on other lines, various tiers of lines, competing lines like Carnival, for example, as well as uh, lines in other parts of the markets that have really great internet now. Um, I'm not going to say that many of them are as good as what you see on, I remember, I think Allure for me was the, the best. Um, but there are other ships that are really great now. So you got to pull ahead. You got to make sure that you offer a consistent experience because the other guys are, are going to, if you don't, or, or potentially before you do, I should say, um, that's, that's, that's a real concern for them. So hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll get that squared away and I will give them, I think last year I gave them a branding idea. They didn't use it. Give them two, actually. Uh, but I will throw out another one, and this allows them to call it Voom, reduce the confusion, while also, just like they, every time an Oasis-class ship comes out, they say, oh, it's the largest ship in the world, because, you know, it's an inch and a half larger than the last one. Um, <laughs> uh, label it Voom, whatever number you want to start with. 2.0, Voom 3.0. And then you have consistent branding, but people will have slightly different expectations. And when you upgrade a ship, you can, you can put out that press release. You can, you can send out that email blast. Hey, everybody, Mariner of the Seas, for example, now has Voom 3.0. Right. Like up to 75% cell, faster. Great. Like the cell phone companies do with, uh, or the cell providers rather with like, you know, 4G versus 3G versus the upcoming 5G, right? You have, it's all cell service, but it's varying degrees of performance. Absolutely. Absolutely. And imagine if they, back when everything was uh, uh, TDMA, CDMA and, and such, it, it would have been way harder then to tout those differences. But if all you're talking about is like, you know, generations or version numbers, consumers get that. So that's a way you can be more honest. You can tease it when you do launch something big and uh, and people can understand what's going on. Well, for the purposes of this exercise, though, Billy, uh, that sounded like a wish to me. So you're gonna have to take that back, um, and because uh, unless you want to forego your third wish, so I don't know how you want to play it, but uh, you've got too many wishes on the field. Okay. Well, I guess uh, I still have another wish, so I guess that's going to be on you to go back and edit this. <laughs> what's your and what's four your wishes wish? I got. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so my final wish. Uh, is and this one it sounds like I'm maybe borrowing from uh, a recent cruise experience I had on Edge and and maybe I am and maybe I'm also borrowing from a survey that Royal Caribbean sent out. I want to see infinite verandas on Royal Caribbean ships, and frankly, listen, uh, every everybody should be doing this. Uh, infinite verandas for those of you who don't know, something that Royal Caribbean sister company Celebrity introduced to the Edge uh, Celebrity Edge. They are. Essentially, at the end of your stateroom, floor-to-ceiling windows, and the top half slides down when you press a button, and then you have some doors that can close behind you. So your veranda can be indoor space or it can be outdoor space. And when it's uh, when your veranda is indoor space and you have that extra indoor space in your stateroom, you have a giant floor-to-ceiling window to look out to. There are even some what they call panoramic ocean or pan, no, Royal Caribbean panoramic view. They call them something else, which are basically the same thing, but they don't open for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, even that would be fantastic because, well, I thought this was a neat, neat feature before I saw it once I sailed and some people complain, Oh, it doesn't feel like a regular balcony. Okay. Different people, different opinions. That's okay. Even if you just did this for ocean view rooms, having the option in more than just a couple staterooms, like a couple Royal Caribbean ships have a similar kind of thing, but having the option, uh, at, at decent scale of floor to ceiling windows in your stateroom is really, 
really cool. It's absolutely beautiful. It lets in so much more natural light. Um, in, in the morning I woke up and I, linking back to my previous wish, I had the button on my phone. I raised the curtain, the blackout curtain. So I was still in bed and got to wake up with the sunlight and a beautiful view of the ocean and NASA in, in one case. Um, so I think that's something I, I know Royal Caribbean sent out a survey. We'll see if anything comes of it, but if maybe on icon class, which they've been very hush hush about, if we got to see something like this, I think it'd be a real cl- crowd pleaser. Uh, it doesn't have to be the exact same thing, but this idea of Florida ceiling windows, you know, I've gone on rants before. I've written articles before about how we need these ships to look more at the ocean, and this is a beautiful, beautiful way of doing it. There you go. I mean, it's – well, I think, first of all, your wish – I would be – I will bet you my wager is the finest Indian food on Orange Blossom Trail – um, if it's not whoever's wrong on this one, but I would bet you anything that, uh, that, that will, you will get the infinite verandas or some variation s- similar to that with, uh, Royal Caribbean's icon class ships, which are set to come out, I believe in 2022, if I'm not mistaken. So you might not get over 2019, but I feel like, I, I, oh, if, I just, they, if they definitively announce it in 2019 for 2022, you owe me Indian. That's the way this oh. works. <sighs> didn't think this one through okay fair enough well um <laughs> i see the tables have turned in this situation but <laughs> it's uh like i said i think there's there's a lot that and, and the reason why i feel so confident about that is just simply because royal caribbean and celebrity and maybe osmar i don't pay quite enough attention to osmar to really know this but certainly royal caribbean and celebrity borrow a lot from each other they are sister companies we see this all the time in the auto industry where you know general motors different brands you'll see one feature arrives on one line the other lines end up getting something similar if not a very exact thing classic example onstar onstar was developed by general motors it's on gm cars it's on chevy cars it's on buicks it's on cadillacs you know, it's the, to the sim- similar degree when if you if you would have cruised on Quantum of the Seas and you looked at the ship, the ship design, just the hull, you couldn't help but think, my God, this looks just like a, a Solstice class celebrity mm-hmm. ship. And by the same token, when Celebrity uh, Edge launched, so I mean, to me, the Eden is looks a lot like 270, which was developed for Quantum of the Seas. So, you know, it's there's there's definitely a lot of. Uh, uh, borrowing there, which is not bad. That's what no, it's it's, it's to, fantastic. Yeah, it's called innovation because they can build on the you know the stand on the shoulders of giants, right? You get an opportunity to not have to reinvent the wheel. They, they can improve, or in yeah. some cases, it's just a lateral move to make it more appropriate for a certain market, a certain demographic, a certain set of itineraries, whatever the case may be. I was actually just talking to uh, great friends of the the show. Uh, Tony and Jeannie, and uh, they were talking about 270, and I've yet to go on a quantum class ship. I really want to, though. And it, <clears throat> comparing that to <clears throat> July 2019, <clears throat> group cruise, Anthem of the Seas, July 4th, 2019. Just oh, saying. Why, didn't, why didn't you mention that before? Is, are there, do you do group cruises? Yo, I, yes, we do, Billy. At com, we have a series of great, fantastic, wonderful uh, group cruises that are available, including a July 4th, 2019 sailing, nine nights to Bermuda, San Juan, Puerto Rico, Labadee, and St. Martin <laughs> on the fabulous and amazing Anthem of the Seas. All this and more can be yours if the price is – no, wait, if you book the cruise. Through MEI Travel. Through MEI um, Travel at royalgreenblog.com slash events. I, I look forward to my commission check now, Matt. Um, so. <laughs> 
so yeah, 270, uh, that was an a, a example of where I think they, they did innovate on that to, for Eden on edge, uh, because the venue aesthetically from the outside is very similar and the structure, the physical structure is very similar. There are acts. It is a multi-purpose venue. There are aerial acts, uh, in both of them, the type of shows that are performed, the colors, uh, inside the overall feel to the room, very different, but they, they learn, they say what, what works for different, uh, different groups for, for different demos, for different itineraries. So yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, and I look forward to seeing how they adapt it because it's, it's rare that version two of something is, uh, is not, um, in some way an improvement or, you know, at least, uh, at least cool in a different way compared to version one. Absolutely. All right. For my last wish, I am wishing for late night stays at perfect day at Coco K. This Ooh. is something that Roker I mean, has, has hinted at, but they've really been talking more like the overnight thing, which I think is just a logistical nightmare to not the overnights, but like the, they're like, I'm talking about like a hotel on the Island, things like that. I don't even need to get that far. Cause I like, I always tell people like there's no one's really saying, you know what I really want to do? I really want to go swimming at 2 a.m. on the beach. Like, no, people barely do that on the cruise ship, let alone they're going to do that on the island. I just want to be able to stay like, can we stay till like dusk or a little past dusk? You know, like seven, eight, nine o'clock. We don't, I, I don't know that there's like a diminishing return on, you know, demand <laughs> as the hours wane, as, you know, dinner turns into evening and evening turns into night. Like, we don't need to be there necessarily till 3 a.m. Or, or 7 a.m. the next day. But I just want late night stays because let's face it. First and foremost, Coco K is so close to Florida. How close is it? It's so close to Florida that in so in many itineraries, especially when we're talking about Mariner and Navigator, these sailings that offer three and four night visits to the Bahamas. I mean, it, it, t- if they wanted to go at quote unquote full speed back to Florida to whatever home port. It would take them a matter of like two or three hours at the most to reach that point because it is so close. So let's take advantage of that. Let's hang out there more because it's their own port. It's not like they're paying uh, someone a, a port in the same way that they're paying a port like, you know, they're in Cozumel. If you stay longer in a port, you pay for that. I get that. But for Perfect Day Coco K, I just want to see them stay. Instead of, you know, usually they cut off at like, you know, let's say three or four o'clock, maybe five o'clock. Keep going, man, especially in the summer. When it's light out until like nine o'clock in the Caribbean, keep it going till then because I don't see a downside to it. The Royal Caribbean's gonna make more money with people spending more time on excursions, buying stuff on the island, buying drinks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, let's take advantage of that. And I want, as a guest, I want to stay there longer. So that way, when I am going to visit the island, I mean, there's so many things they're adding to it. It seems like a natural win win. So, you know, we can talk about overnights. We can talk about hotels in the island. That's a great idea. But for 2019, let's start staying a heck of a lot longer than we are currently. I completely agree. And much like we're talking about with, with several of our, our ideas, I don't see a downside. Um, and, and I'll put an asterisk, asterisk there. Um, we know that private islands and private destinations, we'll say, because not all of them are islands. For example, Labadee. They are uh, they're hugely popular with guests. Satisfaction surveys consistently on many cruise lines show that. Cruise lines love them because suddenly onshore revenue is the same as onboard revenue. They can continue in most, though not all cases, to operate things like um, onboard retail, casinos, 
things, um, which they can't do when they're in other ports. There are a lot, and that's usually, even though they're in some of those same countries, just deals they work out. Uh, again, depends on the, the destination, but th- there are a lot of advantages for cruise lines uh, to do this. And now that you're seeing cruise lines build more and more private destinations, they're building more and more uh, attractions on these private destinations, as we're seeing with Perfect Day at Coco Cay. We recorded a whole podcast about that a few months ago. I don't remember the episode number. Go back, give it a listen. It's a good time. Uh, there, there's just not a reason that I see that they don't do this. Now, the reason that I said there is a little footnote, a little asterisk there, is for uh, Premier Cruises look to do this. And you might say, well, didn't Disney look to do this? Uh, there was a rumor that Disney was going to do overnights at their private island. Um, ultimately, the overnights, and they, they were talking about a hotel, which people have rumored for other lines, including Royal Caribbean. And that's just the logistics there are crazy. Filling a ship halfway to get people back in airports, it, it's tricky. But late night stays, Premier Cruises did this. Uh, people most frequently know Premier Cruises from the Big Red Boat. Back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, I believe it was, when uh, Disney had an entertainment agreement with them. Disney had nothing else to do with the line, but that's where they got a lot of their fame from. And they would go out to one of their private destinations. I don't think it was Salt K. I think destination actually that they had, but I could be wrong there. And there was a whole uh, – there, there was a show. I think it was like maybe a pirate-themed show on the beach. They had restaurants and bars open at night. And they, so they themed the experience. Not only – it wasn't just like, oh, the beach is open because not everyone wants to go to the beach at night. But this idea that you could be on this uh, tropical oasis that, oh, yeah, by the way, has all of these other fantastic amenities that we've recently put as part of the Perfect Day at Coco Cay expansion project. Um, you could have access to those resources at night. I think people would really like that. And once you're docking and you're not tendering, it, I don't see it mattering as much to them. The, the only, the only uh, tricky logistics part is that a lot of the people that work really hard at Coco Cay and at Laba D are shipboard employees, which is why you won't see um, you know, as many dining staff. You won't see main dining rooms open for lunch uh, some of the time, for example, when you're in Port and Coco Cay, because those people are working on the island. Right. Um, so you'd have that little tricky, but they can figure out, Hey, how many people are going to spend their evening on the Island? Some part of their evening, they can work that out. So this, I'm, I'm all about this. That would be very cool. And, uh, I hope that Matt would be courteous enough to invite me when, uh, when they do this, I'm going to say when they do this for the very first cruise. I look forward to that as well. Uh, I'll extend you the invitation over Curry. How about that? I thought I thought you were going to say your yeah your invitation. I sent it via ICQ. You didn't get it. <laughs> I can't seem to find my login there. No. There we go. Um, by the way, my ICQ number. If anyone wants to add me, is two two six four one two one. I still remember it to this day. <laughs> I don't know why. It was either that or I don't know something useful like the rest of the French language that I spent four years learning in high school, but. Two two six four one two one. It was my ICQ number, so feel free to add I, me on there. I don't remember that. I remember my Cephalin Freenet login, A002419T. Oh. Well, uh, this week in nerdiness uh, will have to come to an end, but I do appreciate, Billy, you joining me here, talking about uh, this, uh, these wishes and, and cruising in general. And, of course, if you're looking to uh, check out what Billy does, be sure to check out uh, cruisehabit.com. He has a podcast as well, along with uh, some very interesting uh, blog posts that usually involve 
old family photos of him uh, as a kid and or his father wearing uh, very much timely but yet dated uh, by today's standards clothing <laughs> that that makes the post all the more entertaining. Some of those photos of my father are from just like six months ago. You know, he, he really <laughs> he takes care of his things. So they last. <laughs> they last. Like That's those speedos. Those <laughs> well, Billy, thanks again for uh, joining us here. Always a pleasure. Thank you. I look forward to doing it again next year and finding out just how wrong we were. (laughs) All right, let's answer some Royal Caribbean emails. These are the emails that you send in. And of course, if you're wondering how you can send me your Royal Caribbean email to be read right here on the Royal Caribbean blog podcast, all you have to do is send it to Matt at Royal Caribbean blog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at Royal Caribbean blog.com. Our first email is from Dan Bixler of Riverview, Florida. It's, hi, Matt. Just got back from a seven-day allure of the seas vacation. Thanks for Leo Brown's contact information in St. Martin. Leo met us at the St. Martin Pier and was so welcoming. He was very patient and informative. He told us he is third-generation St. Martin. We saw so much, including dropping in on a local friend of his who was all decorated for Christmas. She was very welcoming and shared homemade rum with us. We had a lunch at a very local rib place, lots of food for a great price with a great view of the ocean very tasty ribs and slaw leo asked that i share the picture with his new van to let you all know that he's upgraded i would suggest anyone going to st martin to use leo brown as a guide if he's not available he suggests using another independent taxi as that is what is truly helping local people with their current economy oh by the way matt leo says hello thanks again matt (laughs) awesome dan so glad you enjoyed uh leo's services of course leo brown is a local driver in St. Martin that I've used many times over the years, and I highly recommend his services. If you're looking for kind of a just a driver for the day, boy, is he a great uh, fit. And of course, if you want his contact information, just send me an email, and I can send you his contact info, so that way you can uh, give him a call. Next, we have an email from Mark from Canada, a.k.a. M. Vanny on Periscope, and Mark is also a very proud Royal Caribbean blog insider. Mark says, I have a couple questions about the Ultimate Dining Package. We booked this during Black Friday sale for our upcoming Symphony of the Seas sailing and have never done a prepaid dining package. My question are as follows. When you book this, if you wish to go to the main dining room, do you still have to have a table and, and time assigned? Yes. Uh, no matter what you do with any dining package, you never lose your dining privileges in the main dining room. Of course, Mark, if you did my time dining, it still behooves you to make a reservation. But even if you didn't, let's say, Mark, you said, I have my time dining. And I never made any reservations. You can always show up in the standby line, obviously, to be seated. Likewise, if you have traditional dining, Mark, then that never changes. Basically, you just have an empty seat where you're supposed to be if you go to a specialty restaurant. But you can always opt to go there as well. Uh, Mark also wants to know, how do you go about making reservations? When we booked it, it had us pick us a time for night one, but not a restaurant. Can you book in the app yet on newer ships? Great question, Mark. So the answer to your question is when you have a dining package, any dining package, whether it's a three-night package, whether it's the BOGO package, whether it's the ultimate dining package, you forego your ability to make reservations in advance. The fact that Real Caribbean asked you to pick a time for night one is a formality, more of, I think, quite frankly, a limitation of the current system. But when you get on board the ship, Mark, you need to make reservations immediately. Now, could you do through the new app on Symphony? Yes, but I still recommend you going to the restaurant. It's just a lot simpler, quite frankly. Usually on these cruise ships that offer dining packages, there will be a spot to go on embarkation day to expedite the reservation process. 
By default, you can always go to guest relations or any specialty restaurant to make reservations. So you can go to Chop's Grill as an example and not only make reservations for Chop's Grill, but also any other specialty restaurant. Their, their system, the reservation system is all linked together. So it's not to say that you have to walk to every single restaurant you want to make a reservation for. You just need to go to one. By far, though, it's a lot simpler and easier if you can find this one place that they do. It's like a clearinghouse. Usually, as an example, on Harmony of the Seas, there was a station set up in the main dining room uh, on embarkation day for people with dining packages to simply, there was a couple of different crew members with laptops who would just make boom, 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 a bunch of reservations for you, and you're off to the races. Now, with any dining package, Royal Caribbean will assign you one, your, your first night at a particular restaurant at a particular time. You can change that. That's not written in stone. It's just basically a default, hey, we're booking you somewhere, just so you have something to go with. My recommendation with all the reserva- with any dining package rather is to make reservations as soon as you can on board the ship on day one and make them for the entire length of the cruise. Yes, you could say, well, I'm not sure where we're going to be on day six or something like that, so I'll, I'll wait and see. You can do that, but keep in mind that reservations really do, do go quickly. And in this day and age of especially restaurants being so popular, if you wait too long, you may be limited in terms of what your offerings can be. So definitely go and make reservations as soon as you can. Look for that spot on board the ship. Um, your, your key to finding that spot may be, quite simply, when you check in at the terminal, there's usually a boarding day cruise compass or something like that. Look for that because usually it's listed there. But again, if, if they don't have that set up or you can't find it, you can always go to Guest Relations or you can always go to any specialty restaurant and they make reservations for you. Uh, Mark says, if I want to have pre-dinner at Izumi with the sushi roll, does that qualify or would it use at my specialty restaurant for the day? It doesn't, I mean, it could qualify if you wanted, Mark, but if you want to pay like cash, like you want to say, we're going to Chops at 8 o'clock p.m., but at 5.30, I want a little snack to tide me over and you want to go to Izumi for a roll, you can do that. Just tell them, you know, you just want to charge your CPAS as opposed to telling them, oh, I have a dining package. So you can do either or. It's up to you in terms of uh, how it goes. Mark also wants to know, is Hooked and or Playmakers included? It is. Hooked is included. There's a cover charge. So with your ultimate dining package, there's no charge to you, Mark. You're set to eat there. Playmakers is priced a la carte usually. So just like Izumi, you'll be char- You'll get a $35 stipend, and you can use that money towards anything you, you want to order on the menu up until $35 per person. And yes, you can pool that money, Mark. So if you and Diane are looking to... You know, obviously you'd be dining together. In real in in reality, you have seventy dollars to spend. It's not to say that you know Diane can only spend thirty five. You can only spend thirty five. It's 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 a pooled money. It's just you know your total bill is going to come at the end. And if it's under seventy dollars, you're set to go. If it's over seventy dollars, then you're going to be on the hook for whatever uh, that extra cost is. So there you go. Mark says thanks for all the advice and can't wait to sail with me again. Well, thank you, Mark. I do appreciate that. Great questions there, and I I got to tell you the, the ultimate dining packages are truly uh so popular and all the dining packages are it's amazing i'll tell you that people always ask me are the dining packages worth it i believe they are from the simple fact that the rising prices of individual restaurant reservations are making the dining package i think a necessity because the price point is just so much lower now with the dining packages i mean look look at chops girl let's use chops as an example on most ships you're probably paying somewhere in the ballpark of 40 to even $50 per person if you were to make a reservation for chops individually. With a dining package, you I mean if you break down the cost per, you know, per night, you're really looking at like, I don't know, 20, 25, something like that. I mean, it's half the cost. 
So it's, you know, there are some, obviously some trade-offs with the dining packages, but financially, it's a slam dunk deal. It's really just a matter of can you, quote unquote, live with the trade-offs of the dining package. And the trade-offs are you can't make a reservation until you get on board the ship. And the, the what that really means in the real world is you might not be able to get every specific time or day that you want. Classic example is, well, you want to eat a Chops Grill on the first formal night. Great. You might not get prime time. Prime time is like, you know, 6.30 p.m. or 7 o'clock p.m. You might have to pick a 5.30 reservation or an 8 or 8.30 reservation. To me, that's not a big deal. Some people might be hearing that and be like, oh, I don't want to do that. Well, that's fine. Then you're going to pay for the reservation, then pay that 40 to $50, whatever the reservation cost is for chops on your particular ship. And that's the that's the nature of the beast. So, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to it. But uh, first and foremost, they're very popular. And also, I really do believe that they offer a tremendous value when you consider how much the restaurants cost if you were to book them individually versus taking advantage of the dining package. So hopefully that answers your questions there and helps you make that decision. Our next email is from Dan, who I say, Matt, three years ago, I discovered RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com and binged on all your helpful podcasts. I learned about all the ways to save money and get a good room if you're flexible. For 740-ish days, I've been counting down the days until I have left until my next cruise on Liberty of the Seas. The cruise is finally below 50 days and luggage tags have been printed. I thought I would write you an email and tell you my plans, as well as how the heck I got into this position in affording such a luxury item as the Royal Suite. The Royal Suite took what I would consider a miracle, the luck of many different things to come together. The first of many, I give credit to you for your great advice. I decided to hashtag YOLO book it and booked early. That got me the lowest possible price. As time went on, the original price of $26,000 for two adults only went up over time. The second way to get a good rate is book sailings on non-peak days. My cruise is in January 2019, which means children are in school and most people are working. Drawing from the many bits of advice you've given, I think this one saved me the second most of my fare, reducing it 55% from $20,000 to $9,026. Another important way to save money, for me at least, was being registered with Casino Royale, the ship-wide casino program. Having some previous play to have the agent on the phone review helped. Keep in mind, I booked this in 2016, so I was working with the old plan. In the beginning of 2018, they completely changed how this way, the, the way the perks, free cruises, anything else worked. The discount ended up reducing it again from $9,026 to $4,786, more than 45%. After paying off the deposit, I was left with $4,286 due. Well, to me, that is not chump change, but I knew I had two solid years to pay it off, which is a little less than $200 a month. Not bad for a royal suite. Well, with the luck of the random draw, or pull in my case, I won $9,000, the $5 bet on a Monopoly slot machine at a local Indian casino. I put the money in the bank and instantly paid up my cruise right then and there. The other half went to the IRS. <laughs> Woohoo, I knew that. Finally, I would actually be experiencing the best of the best category, not, of course, counting the Oasis or Quantum Class. So for the past uh, few years, I've been binging anything and everything about Liberty of the Seas and the Royal Suite, room 1640. After digging up some old videos and records, I found a before and after photo of my room before it was built. Yes, this category suite is not made ahead of time like some of the smaller rooms that are prefabs. Cheers, and thanks for the good work. Dan, thank you so much for the email, dude. And I'm so glad to hear you had such an awesome deal on the Royal Suite. That is a terrific deal. And Dan took advantage of some really important tips that we probably want to mention for anyone who's looking to get a... If you if your goal is to get the best possible price on a Royal Caribbean cruise, what Dan did, there are two or three things he did that you anybody can do. Number one, 
book it as early as you can. Look, it's not a secret, but it is sort of that prices go up over time. And if you really want to go on a particular sailing, and it, there's regardless of the room type, Dan booked the Royal Suite, which is the most expensive suite you can probably buy in a non-Oasis or Quantum class ship. It's it's really really nice. Look it up on YouTube if you're looking for you want to see what it looks like, but it's incredible. But Book it as early as you can. When new sailings are announced, like as of the recording of this podcast, some of the 2020 and 2021 sailings were just announced. Really and truly, you want to be booking sailing. If you know you want to go on a 2020 sailing or a 2021 cruise, if you can book it now, you can lock in some great prices because it just prices go up over time. So the earlier you book it, the generally speaking, the better. And of course, if there's a price drop and you live in a country like the United States, Canada, Australia, pretty much most countries except for the UK, you can always reprice if the if the price goes down. A good travel agent can help you with that. Basically, if there's a price drop, they just rebook you at the new price and you're set to go. Second of all, what Dan did that was really important was he took it, he not only booked his cruise early, but he booked his cruise for a time of year in which he knew there would be less demand. There are definitely peak seasons to cruising and there's definitely off season to cruising. And if you can go during one of these slower times of the year, you will really reap some huge benefits. Not everybody can do this. I, I recognize that you got kids in school. If you're subject to a work schedule, you know, if you're working as an example, accountants, I know it can't take off like the first quarter of the year and by the same token, teachers are limited to certain times of the year. And you know, you may be limited and I get that, but if you have the opportunity or the option to cruise during the month of January, minus of course, new year's, uh, the first two weeks of February, the month of May, the month of September, the month of October, first two weeks of November, first two weeks of December, Boy, you can really save a lot of money because these are the times in the year in which most people are not willing or able to go on a cruise for the exact reasons Dan spelled out there. Kids are in school. People are at work. You just took vac- I mean, think January is a great example, right? And especially since this episode is coming out here in the uh, end of December. With December and the holidays, right? Everybody's off. Everybody's taking some time off for the holidays, whether it's Christmas, New Year's, whatever, right? You took, took some time off. So can you imagine now going into January, like the second week of January, and taking another, starting another vacation? No, you just took one, right? And you're not going to put your kids out of school after a week. Well, I mean, I might, but you know, most people are not willing to do that. So that's why there's so much less demand for cruises this time of year, and that's why it's a great time to go. So again, if you can take advantage of these things, that's a really big deal. Now, Dan mentioned the Casino Royale program, which is a basically a customer loyalty program for the casino. Obviously, in order to get into this, you need to be gambling. And you might argue, well, yeah, Dan saved a lot of money, but who knows how much money he spent in the casino earlier on in order to get into that program and take advantage of some of the benefits. Fair point. It's one of those things, look, if you're already a gambler or somebody who enjoys, you don't have to be a crazy gambler. You don't need to be like Kenny Rogers singing songs about gambling. You just need to have, you know, enough cachet, if you will, with the casino in order to qualify. So if you're already in that category, if you're somebody who spends, you know, a little bit of time in the casino to begin with, this is something else to take advantage of. But if you're not much of a gambler, I wouldn't recommend necessarily going down that route, you know, gambling for the sake of, you're probably better off taking the money you would have gambled with and just paid off the cruise. But, you know, I digress. But anyway, some really good tips from Dan there, and I'm glad he was able to share them with us because uh, these are really helpful tips. And our last email is coming to us from uh, Alex from New York. Ritz. Hi, Matt. Found your website and your podcast this summer. You do an amazing job. All the information on your website helped us tremendously, and I listened to all the podcasts. I had a lot of catching up to do. I felt more prepared, uh, and your podcast got me looking forward to my next cruise. My wife and I just went on Anthem of the Seas in October. I've cruised this before. I've cruised before this, but when I was a teen, and this was my wife's first cruise. Our cruise was a blast, and my wife had so much fun and fell in love with cruising. We booked Anthem of the Seas again for April 2019 and are bringing our five-year-old son. 
We can't wait to see how much fun he's going to have while traveling. I had a question, though. On our sailing, April 27th to May 4th, uh, my son's birthday is on the 4th. I know it's the last day, but do you know if he would still be put in the 3 to 5 age group or the 6 to 8 in Adventure Ocean during the sailing? Again, thanks for the awesome job you do. Uh-huh. Alex, thank you for the email. I'm so glad you found RoyalCarmenBlog.com so helpful. In terms of your question, technically speaking, I believe it's, supposed to, it's all based on the age of your son on the first day of the cruise. Now, if you felt strongly one way or another, you could have you could ask the, the Adventure Ocean staff, hey, my son is going to turn six at the end of this cruise. Can he move up to the six to eight group? It's up to you if you want to ask for it. Personally, based on my experience, obviously all kids are different, right? But in my experience, Alex, I think your son would be better off still in the uh, Aquanauts program, ages three to five, just simply because the programming is more age specific. And there is a big deal when you know he's the one of the oldest kids in the group versus one of the youngest kids in the group. It may or may not. Again, we all know there's you know age is not necessarily indicative of every kid's maturity level or their ability to do things. And boys operate different. I have girls, so you know it's it's going to be different, right? And I know that when my daughter, my first daughter, was in Aquanauts three to five, she had an awesome time. But there, when she turned six and she went up to Explorers, uh, there was a bit of a learning curve in the sense that she had to kind of reacclimate to what Explorers did because she was so used to Aquanauts, right? And there was a few cruises in which she actually bumped herself back down to Aquanauts while she was still closer to, you know, the, the younger age of six, right? Rather than now she's seven, almost almost eight. So a little different. But anyway, I digress. Uh, the point is that it took her a little time to get used to being that because, again, she went from being one of the oldest kids to one of the youngest kids in the group. That may or may not be a problem for your son. So I would tell you, and you may you know, talk to the Adventure Ocean staff, but my tendency would say they're probably going to put you in Adventure in Aquanauts in Adventure Ocean. Go with that. I think that'll be fine. But again, you talk to the staff if you feel strongly that perhaps I'm not. Uh, again, I, from the email, I can't tell if you're trying to angle towards one or the other. But I might lean towards or recommend at least trying out Aquanauts in the beginning. Certainly, if he feels like you know it's it's uh, you know too childish or whatever juvenile for him, uh, you can talk to the adventure staff about that. But uh, I expect usually based on the age of on day one of the cruise, that's how they usually book everything. So the fact that your son's having a birthday during the end of the cruise is wonderful. But of course, you know that's it. That that's a different uh, discussion if you're interested in something like that. But I think he'll have a great time in Aquanauts or Explorers. Quite frankly, it's just a matter of you know. Uh, your personal preferences and obviously how your son is doing, but it's a great time. My my daughters love Adventure Ocean. I hope your son loves it near, just as much because it is, uh, boy, it's a great tool for parents to be able to, you know, the kids get to have fun. You get to have some time with you and your wife. It's, it's win-win. So thank you for the email, Alex. Thank you to everybody for checking out the Royal Caribbean Blog podcast this week. Do appreciate it. And, of course, uh, if you want to send me your emails, you can always do so by sending them to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our email queue is actually a lot smaller than it used to be. I'm actually reading emails that are more timely, so that's good. It's good and bad. It's good because I want to be able to answer all the emails as soon as I can. Uh, But the downside is, well... I always like having a, a bit of a backlog there so I can, you know, always rely on them. But so it, basically what I'm trying to say is if you have an email you want to send in about a question or something, this would be a good opportunity to do so. All right, my friends. Thanks again for checking us out. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon. <laughs>